Hello. Hello. And welcome to the podcast. I really want to find a new opening, but I find myself saying that every single time. Hello and welcome to the podcast. And here we are. And hello and welcome to the podcast. And who are you? This is episode 41 of Hello and Welcome to the Podcast. And I am Mark Morrell, co-founder of Carrier's Edge. And I'm Jane Jasrowie, the other co-founder of Carrier's Edge. And this is the Carrier's Edge podcast. Yeah, we need to find Which you neglected to mention. Welcome to episode 41 of the Carrier's Edge podcast. No, it's 31. 41. It was 41. Oh, you said 31 before. Hang on a second. I was wrong on both counts. It's episode 43. Okay. So... Welcome to episode 43 of the Carrier's Edge podcast. Do you want to start podcast. again? I am starting again. Oh, okay. Hi, I'm Mark Morrell, co-founder of Carrier's Edge. I'm and with other... me today... Oh. <laughs> Let's start again. Just start again. Play the music again. Okay. How about I just air drum it? Start talking about what you want to talk about, because you have things to talk about, i.e. your presentation that's annoying you. Yes, so we're going to start with what will hopefully be a cathartic rant about presentations, and then we'll get into some serious business of what Jane has been up to. But uh, Pushing the business forward, unlike you. I think you. I am, I'm, I don't know, I'm aspiring to do that. So I have a presentation that I have to do at the end of April, and for whatever reason, these events always want the slides like way early, so I have to have the slides this week. It's the end of February. So I want to start by... Saying, why is that? Why do all of these events want these slides two months early? You know, I'm going to ask Kristen that. Yes. From the TCA. I'm just going to ask her, how come you need the slides? And she'll say, she'll give a really good reason. And what I suspect is that if you don't get people to do the slides really super early, they don't do the slides at all until the last minute and then they're garbage. Yeah, I suppose that's part of the problem is that so many speakers are terrible and their slides are just god awful. And if they and we can get away with more like we can say no we can't have them we'll have them to you by this date with with organizations that we know we've worked with really well. This presentation is not with an organization that we've worked with for a long time. So yeah, I have and to they play don't by know what rules. and yeah. And you know, it's better it's actually good to have your you know to think about the presentation far in advance and then you can go over it closer to the the time you're going to present um, and have a lot more thoughts about it. Yeah, I don't like that at all. If I'm doing one of these things, I want to climb down into that world and live there exclusively for the week coming up to it. Yes, Build my I know. slides, go over them endlessly in my head, and through that process, rearrange them, update some of the content, and then be ready when I walk on that stage to just have this thing nailed and have it exactly the way I want it to flow. But I can't do that when I send the slides so early. You are, that is not how 99.5% of the population does it. Or the population that does it for trucking. It's, you, people just don't do it that way. I think that people actually deliver worse presentations because they have to have the slides in so early. Because you put these slides together you're not really thinking about it or you think about it a little bit, what you want to do and what you want to cover. And most people just have a bunch of text dumped onto their slides. They submit it and then they don't think about it again. And then two days before they start thinking about it and, and realize that they should have organized these things or there's slides they should cut, new things they should add, but they can't because the thing has been submitted and it's locked down. So they end up having to shoehorn themselves into the constraints of these slides, which 
I find I, you know what would worse. be work. You know what would be good to do is if there was like there was like a two deadlines. So the first deadline is get the slides in so that if there's nothing else, that's what you have. But then there's a second deadline, which is if you need, if you have updated your slides or if you, whatever, you can give us that set. Yeah, I like that idea. And then there are two chances. So if you, you know, you do the first one and then you do have that chance to do something with the second one, because that's what we do that a lot. Mm -hmm. We update our slides and then just sort of slide them in. I have done that. I've done that so many times and I think people don't know that you can and you probably could do it with, with this presentation. I think I probably will. Yeah. And this one, yeah, I, I think something like what you're talking about would be great. What also occurred to me is if they had the uh, two deadlines as well, but the first one is give us your outline of what you're going to talk about. What is your presentation going to be? So that could just be bullets, but the different sections, what you're going to say, what kind of visuals you're thinking of using. And then the second deadline is when the final slides need to be delivered. Yeah, you need to have the first deadline has to be presentations. Well, I think what would be funny there is most people don't create an outline for their stuff. They just open up PowerPoint and start typing. Well, I do that. I do. uh, That's how I do. But then I, but you know how I am. I kind of, I'll think in pictures and then go and write something down and then I'll go back to PowerPoint and it'll be kind of a combination of things, but it will be, it's because I've done presentations for so long. I don't really need to do an outline anymore. I don't, I can sort of think about the story in my head. But if somebody wanted an outline, you could take that plus the notes that you do on your remarkable and scribbles that you've got on notepads and things, and you could put those together into an outline and send them a one pager. That said, but here's I don't what think, I'm going to cover. Yeah, I don't think that people look at presentations as stories, though, because I think I think that's key. You, your presentation has to have it's like a it's like Aesop's fables, right? So every presentation has to sort of have a, a, a not a moral of a story, but a a point. Well, it has so, to have a story to it for sure. The a good lot ones. of people don't do stories; like they just kind of say, "Okay, here's the." Here's this slide, and then here's this slide, and here's the last slide. Any questions? Yeah. And it's all about a topic, but there's no there's no thesis to it. Yeah. And, um, you know, it might be, well, the thesis might just be buy this product. But um, I think, and that's what the tough part is about presentations, is that you have to have that central theme, the central idea, the thesis. That you, what, what are you trying to say here? Well, and that's the challenge with the one that I'm doing right now, because it is kind of a sales presentation, but I don't want it to be a sales presentation. I hate selling. I hate pitching. It's in front of a whole conference and I've got like a 15 minute block to kind of talk about our product without talking about our product. So that is a challenge to craft a story around that is going to be interesting for the audience, but not just a gross pitch. Well, if it was a gross pitch, it wouldn't be interesting at all. So how to make that interesting and still fit what the expectation is around that block of time. You know, it would be cool is if you could, if I could play the guitar, I think I would do that. I think I would go and play the guitar and do something around that. <laughs> you would do like a 15 minute musical? No, 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 no. But what I would do is kind of, uh, I think it would be kind of a fun presentation to do is have a have an instrument which 
and when people play the guitar, there's a real relaxed hmm. air about it, right? So you go, you've got your guitar, you're strumming it, and you start talking about what you're going to talk about. And then you have a little bit of music, and then you punctuate that with whatever point you want to make. And then you have a little bit more music. You know, those, especially, uh, I'm thinking a lot about people who do children's stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, they do that punctuation with guitars and, and different musical bits to, to huh. make a point. Huh. Now you're giving me ideas. Dun, da, da, da. Should I bring a guitar? Uh, what are you going to play? Well, this is the thing. But the idea of punctuating with music could be a guitar, could be a keyboard. Should I bring a drum set and set it up there? And do a presentation <laughs> behind my drums? That would be I hilarious. Think, you know what? I think that that is something to think to keep in the back of our minds. I, I don't think that for this one. Well, first of all, you're going to have to fly with a guitar. Yeah. <sighs> okay, so I'll just bring tambourine and a triangle. That would be my punctuation. Actually. I'll make a big point and then ting on the t- triangle. And then jingle, jingle on the tambourine. You know, that might be, or to give it to members of the audience. <laughs> when I say something good, when I point to you, you whack the tambourine. Well, it depends on the point you're trying to make. But if you were trying to, because people do that with voices, right? In some presentations, you have people who are, you know, I want this. Um, I saw a presentation. I'm going to sort of cut myself off here. But I saw a presentation once that was talking about how, when people are singing in unison, they're always in key. Mm. So, and so this, I think it was a woman, she was trying to get different people to do different things with their voices. And, and when you have a large group doing that with voices is quite cool. If people will participate, it's, it's one of those things where you have to make it really safe and really easy for people to participate. Um, But that's, that is possibly the hardest part of a presentation is to figure out how you want, the audience to interact with you if you're going to put that in. Well, you have to be careful because this is a, a uh, safety conference and it's going to be, I'm thinking it's going to be upwards of 300 people in the room. So it's going to be a fairly large audience. And I've seen from past conferences that when you have a group that size together in a room, they don't even want to stand up. I've seen some presenters that make everybody stand up oh. and do stuff and people are groaning and you, you hear all these noise of their backs creaking when they try and get up and they are complaining about it so i don't want to do anything or like they that. turn to your neighbor and introduce oh. yourself <laughs> yeah oh i hate that i usually turn to my neighbor and talk about i really hate doing this well the thing that i never get on that is I always turn to my neighbor and they've already turned the other way. So I'm looking at their back. But for half of the audience, that's what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. and Yeah. We are not comfortable with that. And we don't do that with our staff really either. (laughs) I mean, and even as a trainer, as a classroom trainer, I never did that. I always made it. I always made group activities and partner activities really easy to get into groups or I would tell them you're going to be in this group and take the whole stress out of the group thing or the partner thing. Don't let, don't make it the audience's problem to decide how they're going to interact with each other. You're interacting with them as a group. Yeah. So interact with them as a group. Yeah. I'm not going to do any of those things here. But I never did. Like you've known me for how long and I've never try to do embarrassing things with people or things that you think will be fun and a great way to get to know each other. Everybody else in the audience thinks that's embarrassing and horrible. So all of these extrovert program ideas are, 
things that most of the audience just cringes about. But I, you know, the idea of the guitar, if I, if I, if I was one of those people and I would love to be one of those people, I'm just not who could just sort of have a guitar as part of my body or ukulele. I'm so tired of ukuleles. <laughs> I like the idea of an instrument. Uh, I would probably bring a keyboard instead because there's way more sound effect options. And then you could play it as a piano. You could play it as an organ. You could use different sound effects, do rich string pieces for dramatic things, but then like crazy sound effect things. That would be very cool. Now you got me thinking. I'm not going to be able to do can, it for this one. I can play a recorder. <laughs> I can play the minuet and G on the recorder. Actually, I don't even know if I can. I don't know if those brain still brain cells still exist or if they've been uh, reprogrammed with different information. Wow, that was one I had forgotten existed. Oh yeah, as soon as you said it, it came back to me. Where's there? I think we still have a recorder here. Yeah, we have some. I could do that. That was also common in all early piano recitals that I was involved with. Lots of minuet and G. I learned it in grade seven when I lived in the Middle East. Yes. Oh, okay. Grade six or grade seven? Might have been grade six. Hmm. So. Yeah, everybody's first instrument, the god awful recorder. It's an easy instrument. It's a good one to. It's a good one to play. Yeah, you and can I mean, make I can. Sound on it. I can function on an instrument, but I don't think it's my natural. Um, it's not my natural calling. If I, you know, what I would would be good is to be able to do doodles. I could draw while I was doing a presentation. I often do, actually. If I'm doing a, uh, if I'm teaching, I generally will cool. will do drawings. That would be really interesting. One that we're doing together to have mm-hmm. you doodle while I'm speaking. Yeah, but I don't, but again, we'd have to plan it because I have no idea what I would actually draw. You would just draw shapes and things like you do when you're listening to a conference call. Yeah, but what would be the point? <laughs> Hey, my drawing helps me focus. You know that. Well, I think for a lot of the audience, it would help them focus too, because it gives them something to look at that's moving and they're curious where you're going to go with it. I mean, I find myself watching you doodle on conference calls all the time. If we're together in a room and we're listening to a call and other people are talking, you're doodling. I'm always watching it because I'm curious where it's going to go. It's something to look at, something else for my brain to focus on. That's interesting. Okay. So maybe there's some value in that for an audience. I think that the the key is that to do something else to um, spark something in another part of people's brains when you're doing a presentation. Yeah. So sometimes, and remember, uh, there was a uh, a uh, pre- not a presentation, but it was a theater uh, presentation that we saw. Um, theater presentation it was like a short play it was a one-person play the red-headed coffee shop girl i didn't and, see that one. Oh, you didn't no, oh okay what was really powerful about it and she's getting some success because i've sort of followed her a little bit um is that she has it's a she's doing a monologue about working in a coffee shop and what she really wants to do with her life but then she starts punctuating it with songs Hmm. And so it's not a just a someone doing a monologue, but also someone who is performing songs. Um, I think she does some stuff with instruments as well, but it's the variety that yeah. really gets people's attention. Well, we saw somebody. Actually, I'm not sure if you were there for that. It was uh, that was it was another year of that same event that you're talking about, and there was a band that was performing, and they had somebody signing 
during their performance, which I thought was really different. So you go see a band perform, um, you watch the musicians playing and you hear them singing, but deaf people can't understand the lyrics. They get the vibration through the floor and stuff, but they're not getting the lyrics. So they had a sign, uh, signer doing all of the lyrics along with the singer. Hmm. And it gave you something totally different to look at, something totally different to watch while the whole thing was happening. It was a very cool experience. I think that's important because I am not really a, I don't get my information from hearing. That's why I doodle is because I'm really, really, I'm both visual and kinesthetic. So I want to move and I'm not very, I'm not inspired, but I'm not, um, like if I'm just listening to something, I'm going to drift off. So if I don't, if I'm listening to something, if I don't do something or draw something, I am not going to listen. Hmm. And it's the same with you where I tell you you're not listening to me because you're looking away. And right. you tell me I actually am listening to you better when I'm not yeah. looking at you. If I'm you. looking at you, I'm not paying attention. Yeah. Which is weird because I always feel like if I'm not looking at someone, I'm not giving them my full attention. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's difficult when you have different, different communication styles and different, different communication preferences and your preference is to listen. My preference is to see or do actually it's to do a little Mm. bit of seeing, but mostly doing. Mm. And, um, so when you're listening to a band and this is the whole thing with music for me, I really enjoy music, but not listening to it. Hmm. Which is very odd. I mean, I enjoy the fact that you're a musician. Um, I enjoy the fact that you, I like it when you practice. I like it when you play. I like watching you play. Okay, we have to stop for a second there because those are words very few drummers ever hear in their life. What, that I like listening to you practice? Yeah. (laughs) Normally what people get instead is the, oh my God, are you not done yet? Do you have to practice? Does it have to be so loud? I, I, it's weird. I've never had a problem with that. I've always, I don't mind Sammy practicing on the piano, like banging on the piano while I'm working. I, I don't have any issue with that at all. Hmm. I like it, but as long as I'm not working, I'm not, when I'm, I can't focus on writing obviously while I, while, you know, you're banging or, you know, if there's noise in the house, I can't really work, but I listen to it but I have to be doing something. So Mm. if I'm listening to a concert, I will start getting very sleepy because I'm not doing anything. Unless you're there watching it. If you're there live, you can pay attention. If I'm just sitting, I will tend to go to, I tend to get sleepy if I'm just sitting and watching and listening. If there's something like when we went to see, um, walk off the earth. Hmm. Which is a Canadian band that is quite local and has been doing really well. They have a lot to look at. They have like a lot of effects. They have a lot of, they do video. They have all kinds of things that they do. Um, They throw instruments around. They have a lot of activity in their show. And I really like that because I'm watching that as well as listening to the music. Hmm. But if people are just sitting and playing... Yeah, that really doesn't work anymore. You see very few acts doing that now where the live performance is just people playing their instruments because the world has kind of evolved to the point that everybody wants a multimedia experience. It's not just watching somebody play an instrument, but 
there's a visual, there's a light show, there might be pyro, there's all kinds of things happening. But it's not even that. If I'm listen, if I'm in a bar, for example, or if I'm or doing something while I'm listening, I'm going to listen much better. Mm-hmm. So if I was, you know, um, playing checkers or something while a band was happening, or if I was able to talk to people quietly while a band was playing, I would it would make it a lot more enjoyable. But if it's just if it's just listening, it's and it's listening to anything. If it's if I'm listening to the radio, like if I'm listening to the radio while I'm driving, I will realize at some point that I have just stopped listening. Yeah. And that's I find that really strange. And I don't even know when I stopped listening. I just fade out. Huh. That's very interesting, especially if you take it back to the original idea of presentations and how to keep them interesting and enjoyable so you're not just looking at slides and listening to somebody talk what would you do what could you do to make it interesting for the audience i love the idea of having somebody sketching what's being talked about well that's why i like or even just doodling is something to look at well that's why i like having decent slides that are somewhat amusing or something that you can think about more Mm -hmm. than just bullet points. Um, But I think you also have to keep the slides moving. It occurs to me because it doesn't matter how interesting it is when you first see it. If that slide is up there for a minute and a half or two minutes, it starts to get tedious. I saw one presentation one time where every word of what the guy was saying was a separate slide. It was one word per slide and every word on its own slide. So it was really like closed captioning of what he was saying up on the big screen. And it was just this constant bam, 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 bam of all these new slides. But it was really compelling. Like you couldn't look away. You wanted to see it every time. And I guess that's sort of leading into what you see on social media now where all the videos that play have got captioning mm-hmm. on them. And even when the audio is playing, they're still captioning. So, and and a lot of YouTube channels are that. They're captioned plus audio narration. So you've got a lot to look at and a lot to listen to. But uh, you go see somebody doing a speech, a presentation, you don't have that so much. You've got to fill in that, a lot of those pieces yourself. Well, which is why I always doodle. (laughs) Because I'm always trying to keep myself, um, I am always trying to keep the part of my brain that is fighting to stop listening yeah. To to, well, to give it something to like I need a distraction so that I can listen or I can listen better. Yeah. So if I'm taking notes, then I'm going to listen better. Or yeah. if I'm doodling, I'm gonna listen better. A lot of the time I just write down as much of what people say as I can. It's well, not that I ever look at those notes. Ever. No. And I'm the same way. I take I'm tons just taking of notes. them I'm just taking them to keep myself Yeah, I rarely go back and review them, but that's part of absorbing the content because I find that if I'm just listening to what they say and doing nothing else, it is so exhausting that it just trying to force my brain to only listen to that, to only focus on that one thing, it just drains all my energy and I end up spending all my time focusing on listening instead of actually hearing what they're saying and I still miss all of the stuff that came in. Well, maybe you should play the record. You could play the minuet in G. (laughs) <laughs> That'll be my presentation. I'll just sit there and I'll I'll bring a small travel drum set and I'll just tap out some beats while I'm talking and it'll all be in time. And 
We'll see how long before the audience either storms the stage to steal my instruments from me or walks out of the room or starts throwing things. But yeah, I, I think you've opened an interesting subject there of what to do to make presentations a little bit different, a little bit more engaging without making it difficult for the audience. Like this interactive crap where they've got to stand up and talk to their neighbors. That's kind of a failed approach, I think. So there's got to be a different way to do that. Well, the the other issue, the other challenge with that is when you are speaking at a conference, you are really constrained by what they provide. Like, it's not like you can go and say, this is my show and I need this and this and this light and this spotlight and green M&Ms and blah, blah, blah. You go and if you're lucky, your slides come up. (laughs) If you're really lucky, they have a timer for you. Yeah. Most of the time you are, and oh, lapel mics for me are a nightmare. They yeah. never work. And I always have to go to the bathroom and then make sure that I'm not, you know, sharing that with everybody. <laughs> Doing a naked gun. Yeah. But they, um, you, you have this podium and people expect you to speak at the podium and then you have, and also I'm short, so the podium is never really the right height. And I don't, or that you're walking around on this like awful built stage that's made of plywood and I'm wearing heels and I have to make sure that I'm not walking in the cracks and well and every heel is like a huge thunk yeah it, 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 yeah and it's not a it's never a good thing that's why you keep going back to the guitar man it would be just so easy well it, you, I had a guitar. well the sound people would just oh they would hate me right oh there, they would right if I showed up and said so I'm gonna play guitar for this They'd be like, what? We're not ready for this. Yeah, we're not miking a guitar. That's so, going to be an extra charge, you know. Ugh. So. so there you go. There are the constraints of actually presenting yeah, information. Yeah, you want to use something, uh, some sort of tools that are going to make it interesting for people, but you can't rely on what the setup is going to be. Nope. And I would say two months out, I would bet you the organizers don't know either. It hasn't occurred to them that I might actually want to see a laptop that has my slides up in front of me, they're going to have it way off to the side somewhere mm-hmm. sitting at the AV desk and they're mm-hmm. going to give me a clicker and say, here you go. And here's your lapel mic. And your clicker may stop working. Oh, a 50% chance yeah. that it'll actually work the whole I think way that through. happened to me. Yeah. That's, uh, I think it's happened to me a couple of times. It's the clicker doesn't work. Uh, the microphone is doing, okay, I'm going <laughs> to. Oh, yeah. You know, or clunk, clunk, clunk. and Or your hair's getting into your lapel yeah, mic. So. Yeah, it's, oh, yeah. Or the lapel mic. <laughs> I'm wearing a shirt that isn't suitable for lapel mics. It's yeah. like, oh, my God. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this event now. No, no. But the thing is, is that your ideas about what you want to do at this event, like your first idea that you told me last night, which was using memes to to uh, entertain people who don't want to listen to uh, to anything about training. Yeah, I'm supposed to do a presentation <laughs> that's 15 minutes that is talk about uh, driver training without doing a sales pitch. So I'm thinking, okay, well, some of the audience is going to care, but some of them are just not going to be interested. So I thought, all right, what if I didn't have any text up there if I just had pictures? And then what if it was all just memes? Because of the theme that I've come up with is the idea that there's so much old school approach, like everything is done on paper and classroom and all this stuff that's really 30 years old, but in a world that is all uh, 
centered around cloud computing and data mining and machine learning, that that old school approach just doesn't apply anymore. It's not suitable. So like the first thing that came into my head is the meme of bringing a knife to a gunfight. And so I thought, okay, that would be a good meme to have anytime they're doing something that's really old and, and doesn't match how the rest of the world works. I want them to think about they're bringing a knife to a gunfight. So then I thought, could I have every slide just be a meme? And I started looking through them and there's lots of them out there. There's lots of them that are commonly used. You had the fist pumping baby that yeah. you suggested. There's the Willy Wonka one that comes up. Oh, the Gene, the Gene, not Roddenberry, uh, Gene Wilder. Yes. Yes. That char- uh, Charlie. The original, yeah, Willy Wonka. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch, there's a million Drake memes everywhere you go. Oh, yeah. There's a few, uh, like Grumpy Cat and the, oh, these Grumpy ones that Cat. keep coming. Yes. So I was thinking about it. I don't think it's going to work to do it for all of them because there's some things where it's a really, like it's a chart or a graph of something or a timeline. I don't know. Maybe there's a way to have a meme timeline or something, but uh, we'll see what happens. But I am trying to find ways to keep it creative. And well, what are you going to talk about? I am, I've established my problem, which I knew what I was going to start off by introducing the problem, which is really all of that old school approach that is kind of jarring to us coming in from other outside industries. That, what it, what it's an example of the old school approach? Well, that it's the classroom trainer standing at the front of the room lecturing people and doing the same thing over and over and over again, mm-hmm. even when... Like uh, TDG training or... Yeah, doing some or generic... Or hours of service training. Re- generic regulatory yep. training to a group of four people this week and three people next week and eight the week after that, mm-hmm. which is such a waste of that person's time. It is so boring for the audience. And there's just... That's just not how the rest of the world works anymore. Or the fact that everything is written on paper and stored in a filing cabinet. And like tracking activities is just some sign-in sheet that gets stuffed into a filing cabinet and hopefully your terminal doesn't burn down and take all your records with it. So like that's just not how the world works anymore. How do you change that approach? So those are the kind of problems that, that we see all the time. But what I was struggling with is what is my answer to that? So what do I say, okay, I'm not just going to stand up there for 15 minutes and say, here's everything that's wrong. Okay, see you later. I've got to have an answer, Mm -hmm. right? We've established the conflict. We've got to have the hero come in in the story and present the uh, the way out. There's another visual that I'll use is sort of the uh, way out of the cave or breaking breaking through the uh, mine collapse or something like that. You had the thought about... um uh, Harrison Ford. Um, oh, I'm using that one. That's oh, okay. the knife in the gunfight is Indiana Jones. Oh, okay. But um, yes, I've got other ones. So maybe it could be all Indiana Jones memes. It would be Indiana Jones breaking that. through the wall. Yep. Okay, there we go. I'll explore that one and see. But the problem is well established. So then what do I do with the answer? And what I came up with just before we started this is to look at going to the best fleets data and looking at what we're seeing people doing. Here are the best practices that we see. Here are the ways that people are solving these problems now. And indirectly that takes them to our product because we build in a lot of the functionality for those things to support those best practices. But here are things that you can think about. Even if you never buy anything from us, you can still think about these things and get some value out of it. So that's the direction that I'm going to take. Actually, maybe you should start by saying, you know, 
I don't want you to buy anything from us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're not allowed. You're not allowed. Don't buy anything from us. So, yeah, (laughs) that would be different. (laughs) So anyway, that's where I'm going with this thing is. Then drop the mic and. Just leave my logo up there for 15 (laughs) minutes. Now talk amongst yourselves. Now get to know your neighbor. neighbor. There we go. Thank you. Good night. (laughs) Tip your waitress. Okay, that was funny. All right. So I think we've established what I won't be doing in this presentation. Um, What, you're not going to do that? I'm not just going to do that. And no, then I'll pick up the guitar and just strum. (laughs) And just play, just hack my way through badly practiced songs for 15 minutes. (laughs) Minuet and G. Okay. All right. So that's what I've been up to. But let's seriously, folks. Let's move on to something that's a little bit more relevant to okay. most of the audience, which is what you've been hey, working on. Hey, wait a minute. I have to say that I think that everything that we were talking about is relevant because True. people anybody, need to have creative ideas in, in presentations. Yes. And not even that, just creative ideas to make sure that people can pay attention. Okay. Yes. So it was you know? not completely fluff. Yeah. No, right, it wasn't we fluff go. at all. Okay, but let's Just move on to super, super important things. With like no fluff at all. There's no fluff. What Jane is working on. What's Jane been working on? Jane, well, Jane and Jane's team have been working on lots of content. So, um, But you I, were in particular were buried in something this week that I oh, think is very interesting. This week I was buried in CTPAT. And the CTPAT changes that um, started coming into fact into effect this year, and so I'm a little late on the uh, uptake here. But I um, I just am getting audio recorded for this uh, for the updates to our CTPAT course. So uh, basically, CTPAT, which is the the uh, U.S. Border Security Program, I can't remember what it stands for. You just wrote a course on it. Yeah, I, most of the time I'm writing CTPAT. Oh. So it's the... Customs Trade Partnership Against Terrorism. Thank you. This is what I keep you around for, because my brain cells shoved that out yeah. ages ago. They when made I was, room for something else. Yes. Uh, made room for all of the ideas about how to make your presentation better. Strum the guitar. Yeah. So what I found... Um, well, most of it was because we have three parts to our current course, which is the first of the security awareness, um, which is basically um, make sure that you are not exposing yourself to possible theft or terrorism, that kind of thing, by keeping, by staying aware of your surroundings and making sure that you're not you posting pictures of your route or your or your cargo and that kind of thing and make it don't make it easy for people to steal from you. The second part or the third part is how to cross the border without uh, screwing up. And the second part, which is the part that needed to be updated the most, was the inspections part. And the reason for that is because um the CBP has included or wants to include or is telling us that we should include agricultural inspections. So 
that whole agricultural part is kind of um, basically you have to explain it because, and I think, and I did a course on um, how to deal with spotted lanternfly last summer. So a lot of that information was sort of still percolating in my head. And that's what a lot of it is, is basically, you know, when you're doing a security inspection, not only should you be looking for evidence of um, smuggling or someone smuggling, but you should also look for evidence of, you know, hitchhikers who are trying to ride out to a new frontier where they can eat everything. Insect and animal hitchhikers, you mean? Yes, yeah. Not, not people. Well, no, you have to look for humans I as well. Too, yeah. Like that's part of the whole contraband thing is that you have to watch for, you know, but people smuggling, drug smuggling, you know, tobacco. Like if right. you have large amounts of tobacco. Yeah, cash, all of that stuff. Yeah, all of that stuff that you're not really supposed to be taking over the border. And it may not even be you. It may be somebody who has, you know, loaded it up. As you stopped mm-hmm. and then has somebody else who's going to unload it across the border mm. and you're kind of the mule. So that's another. So what got added is all this agricultural stuff right. that people don't really think of because they think, well, I'm not hauling agricultural products. I'm exactly. hauling car parts or whatever retail merchandise. So why do I have to worry about agricultural things? Because if you like look at spotted lanternfly. So. Um, that was in the Northeast. There's a lot of problems with it in the Northeast to the point where if you kind of were in that area and say you're hauling auto parts, you got out of your cab and you happened to be under a tree where there were a bunch of them and they get in your cab or they get on you and you basically transport them to um, Ontario, mm-hmm. you've just spread them. Yeah. So uh, it doesn't matter what you're hauling. All of these the, kind of invasive species that yeah. you have to make sure that they're not latching onto the trailer or you or anything. Or that there are eggs on the trailer mm. or that, you know, um, animal. I think insects are the big problem, but even um, animal waste can have insect parts in it or diseases. So you can spread plant diseases, which is going to hurt crops. Hmm. Yeah, I mean... It's the same thing with what's going on with the virus, the um, the Wuhan, the the one that's come from China, is that you have no idea if you're exposed to it. You don't have any idea if you're a carrier of it, hmm. really, until it's too late. So what you want to do in terms of that virus, in terms of the coronavirus, you, you want to have a lot of precautions. And it's the same thing with... When you're traveling around, when you're traveling long distances with cargo that may have, you know, things kind of get in there. So it could even be soil. Hmm. Could be there if there's soil that is in your, in your, um, in your, what do you call it, trailer. And that soil kind of gets moved around and it has stuff in it that are pathogenic or, you know, some kind of. Or even things that are, you you take it to a place that's not used to having that particular thing. And that's what happens is you get an insect that where it it lives, where it's native, there is a lot, all the plants have sort of um, protective things inside. They've, They've evolved to have protections. But then you take that same bug and put it in, you know, somewhere 2,000 miles away. There's no protections against that bug. Mm. And so with global warming, 
and those bugs are are moving and there's less resistance by the plants. And so there's a lot more difficulty for them uh, to fight it off. So we've had, I know that we've had trees that are getting decimated by things that are coming in. The zebra mussels were something that happened a long time ago. And, you know, carp and and now the emerald ash borer on the trees. Yep. So it's important that carriers are protecting are basically just trying to prevent it from happening. And you were telling me something the other day about the type of wood that gets used for pallets yeah. and things needs to be certified for something as well. Well, there's been a, um, it's called IPPC and there's a symbol of it. It's like a weird tree thing and untreated wood. So raw wood is actually, um, pests are quite happy to live in raw wood. So it, what happens is that the pallet itself can be the way that a pest is spread. And internationally, when you're doing shipping across the ocean, they basically treat the wood so that pests don't want to live in it anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's been going on for a while, this wood protection thing. And there's a little symbol that you can see on pallets and you see on wood that means it's protected. It's either heat, there's some sort of heat treatment or some sort of chemical treatment. I can't remember the details, but that's the way it is. In When you're doing, when you're using um, pallets domestically, then I think, I mean, you can get pallets that are made out of just regular wood that isn't treated. But the problem is, is that's where pests want to live. And if you use them for transportation, you're going to risk having things be transported as well. So the uh, part of the new um, CTPAT program is that you have to make sure that all of the pallets and all of the wood that you're using in the dunnage, like all of the things in your in your vehicle have to be resistant. So that's where the IPPC thing comes in. That's interesting. It's all in this case, in the context of CTPAT, so cross-border operations, but it seems like something that really applies even domestically. Like even if you're just going cross-country, you should be thinking about that stuff because you don't want pests moving from one place to another. Yeah, I would totally agree. I don't think that, well, I do think that certain states are, like California has had, has a lot of, um, there's a lot of, oh, what do you call it? You have requirements for if you want to move throughout yeah. California It's with food. And, and so, we, I mean, we had to stop. Like they they oh, have yeah. the the places where they're searched and the things inspection. like that. Yeah, but I think it's for bugs too. I mean, they're yeah. also looking for that. Um, I think that more and more like the Northeast after the spot on lantern fly problem, they're going to have more interstate rules about how to move things Hmm. uh, back and forth. I think it's going to become more and more of an issue and there's probably going to be more and more rules around it. And it's going to be, end up being a best practice that, you know, you should be looking for, you shouldn't have things growing in your, in your trailer that aren't supposed to be there. Yeah. (laughs) Like that's kind of, that's what the whole thing about security inspections are. It's like, you know, is everything that is here supposed to be here or is it yeah. like, is it something that you shouldn't have? Huh. So that's, uh, and I would agree. I think that's the best practice and maybe I should um, include it in other, because we need to do a, 
a, a version that is not CTPAT, that right. is security, um, just general security, so anti-cargo theft, that kind mm -hmm. of thing. We have a hazmat security awareness. We have the CTPAT security awareness. And we are also going to work on just a general security awareness. Which seems funny because there's going to be like one page different across all of them. But we have the issue that all of the customers that aren't cross-border hazmat haulers say, well, I don't need any of those, so where's my security course? Exactly. And really, it's exactly the same content. Yes. Except for one or two pages. But Well, they don't. The thing is, there's a lot of... Uh, uh, that's not true. It's not one page. There's a lot of processes that go with CTPAT, like, hey, you know, what kind of inspection reports you're supposed to have, like when you're supposed to inspect, what you're supposed to do. And it's kind of the same content, but I can see doing a generic one for people because it would be very confusing. Yeah. Uh, if you're not a CTPAT like carrier, mm -hmm. it, it would be confusing. I can mm. see that. But it will be the same. It's the same stuff. It's the, you know, make sure you're watching, make sure you're checking. And it seems like half a driver's job is to observe. Yeah. Like that's like, if all you do is just look at things and make sure everything's okay. Like make sure that your shipping documents are okay. You make sure that your trailer is okay. You make sure that your truck is okay. You yep. make sure that, you know, there's a lot of that um, function of just making sure everything's okay that I don't think automation is going to be able to replace. No. Well, that's why I think there's still going to be continuing employment, even when the trucks drive themselves, which is absolutely coming in the near future. But the driver, the label will change from driver to freight, I don't know, freight delivery manager or something, freight overseer. Freight manager. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. Uh, freight operations specialist or something. But the job is going to be, like you said, just inspecting and monitoring and watching because there's so much non-driving stuff that needs to be paid attention to. And that's, you build so many courses that have nothing to do with driving that are yeah. all about dealing with all of the other non-driving things that need to be done. And most of it is just make sure, pay make attention. sure blank. Make sure that, well, what you said earlier, that everything here is what's supposed to be here. That there's nothing missing and nothing that shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Nothing extra, nothing missing. Yeah. That or, you know, is there any suspicious activity? And we're also working on a cybersecurity course, which is heading in that direction as well. We talked about the issue on the last podcast, but your course is coming together and is uh, getting closer to being finished now. Yeah, it seems to be that cybersecurity is a flavor of the moment. I mean, not that it's not important. And when I say that, I don't mean it's going to be out of favor it has emerged as a serious issue that yeah. people are considering. And it's actually not driver-oriented so much as much as, I think, office staff. Mm. Just because ransomware is the thing that that people are getting concerned about because um, there's been a few companies. Well, apparently it's the fifth most, transportation is the fifth most targeted, um, targeted industry by... Mm hackers so and, i would assume which i can like totally see the top few are things like banking and government and stuff right oh i can't remember what the other ones are but, but probably pretty obvious ones so the fact that it's number five puts it really high up well the thing is if you look at it transportation is a is an old industry that has a lot of tech but not a lot of maturity hmm. yep. now i mean it's mature in some ways but it's not mature with 
technology. Yeah. Technology. It's not technology. It's not technically a leading edge. No, it's technology. uh, Technologically, I would say it's kind of an adolescent, like even a tween. Yeah. Because it's the mental ability to handle all of these different things. So, you know, technology has sort of been dumped on trucking. They weren't really expecting it. And now they have to deal with all kinds of different technological problems. And what's happening is I think that hackers have started to see just as like all of these high tech companies are swarming into transportation and saying, oh, we've got a a solution for this and a solution for that with all kinds of bizarre names, just like they did with everything else in high tech. But what the hackers are starting to go, hey, Mm -hmm. this might be kind of easy. And it's low effort, big reward. And that's why I think it's going to be one of the top two soon because it is low risk, high reward. There's so many companies that are completely ill-equipped that people will click on whatever. And is that what you're seeing in your research for the course? That it's just office people clicking on stupid things? It is, yeah. Hmm. It's mostly people in the office who are uh, clicking on some, like everybody uses PCs in in, in uh, transportation. Yeah. Like it's not a Mac world. They're not staying updated on them. No, you got, and it's hard. Like when you're using a PC, that is what all the viruses and all the Trojan, like that is what, that is the, you know, hackers know everybody's using a PC. So we're going to write all of these things to completely decimate your PCs. So, but what they're doing is they're going in and spying for a while. And then they basically shut down everybody's systems and which affects the backups too. So they can go into the backups when they do this and then say, okay, I'm shutting down your systems, pay me some money. Hmm. So, so they can compromise the backup or lock out mm-hmm, the backup as well. Mm-hmm. Huh? That's interesting. Yeah. So you can't, unless you have a separate backup. Oh, if it's a connected, like a if network. it's a connected backup, then. Huh. That is interesting. So you have to have that offsite backup or that disconnected backup. Yeah. There has to be something in place. Hmm. So. Interesting. Uh-huh. And um, it's really easy to pick up some of these things, just like the coronavirus. It's not that <laughs> difficult. You know, like I get spam. I get spam from one email address, or like one domain twice a day. Wow. That is just dying to get me to click on something. And they give me different, and they're beautiful, beautifully done. Just, I don't want a Starbucks rewards card or a, or a, um, well, a Target rewards card. A like fake they're fake. Card. Yeah, yeah, they're totally fake. But it's like, oh, click here and you can... And um, the site is gomes.com and I'm trying to block it. Hmm. And I have not figured out how to actually get it to not ever hit my email address, but it's just, I get it twice a day. Wow. And it's garbage. It's just absolute garbage. But obviously these are really nicely done and I can see people clicking on them. If they want a Starbucks rewards card, then, you know, hey, but I get them for banks in the U.S. that I don't deal with. I get them from... I get a million people asking to sell me a list. 
for something. Mm. And I have so many, I have so many mail rules of, you know, just basically sending people to my junk mail. (laughs) But I'm a very, I'm very, very, very uptight about my mail. I don't like junk mail. I don't want to see it. I want it to go to junk. I want to make sure my junk is emptied all the time. I'm very fastidious about my mail. Very fastidious. I am. Not in my life. But on my mail. <laughs> Everybody has one place where they're super fastidious and many places where they're not. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's uh, horrifying and scary about what's going on. So mm-hmm. we'll be very eager to have that course up there. I think we can probably end on a little bit more of a positive note because a week from now we're going to the TCA convention in Florida. Yay! To exhibit, to do a breakout session where once again I had to do the slides months ago. Or it seems like one. Poor you. And then we'll be announcing our two overall winners. So the next. That is exciting. Yes. And best of all, then having our uh, best fleets reception, which is like the high point for me. I know. That's the best part. But that also means that the next episode of this podcast will be after the convention. So we'll have lots of things to talk about. Oh, we will. We'll have lots of news to share. Overall winner news. Overall winner news and other findings and what interesting stuff is happening in the Mm -hmm. industry that we get from the various speakers and things. Who's dating whom? Oh, yes. (laughs) Well, we don't get to talk about that here. We talk about it, but I have to edit it out. (laughs) So there you go. Yeah. So. I think at this point, that can be the positive thing that Mm -hmm. we end on. And uh, we well, can just, wrap it up. Just if anybody, you know, to as a last word, get a virus checker. Yes. Update your software. Make sure that everything is the latest and get a virus checker and run it. And don't click on things that look in any way at all, even the most minute way suspicious. Yes. And if you do, scan your computer immediately yeah. immediately disconnected from the network yeah. which is a lot harder now that everything is wi-fi it used to be you could just yank the plug out but now if you think you're infected with something you've got to turn off your wi-fi on your machine which is a little harder it's another step but yes do that stay up to date get a virus checker don't click on suspicious things and take a recorder to your next presentation to keep it interesting and play minuet and g there you go <laughs> So, Thank you for day. listening. Have a good day.